We have been looking at next level commitment. This is a message that I believe requires that you take note. If you want to write, please do. And I encourage you to do so. When I started out the first day, which was three weeks ago, I told you that it's important that you take notes. I hope you've been taking notes. Next level commitment, and there are four major requirements that we are looking at. Our text is the book of Luke chapter 13, and we're going to start reading from verse number 24. Luke chapter 13 from verse number 24, Father, we ask that your word is blessed. We ask that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer, that I may declare your word boldly, that every heart is receptive and every mind is awake, and that the seed of the word of God will be sown into the lives of your people today, and it will bear much fruit. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone shout. Verse number 24 says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord. Everyone say, Lord, Lord. Lord. Open for us and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Say it with me, I do not know you. I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Say it with me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. Verse number 30. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. I had you respond or I had you uh, repeat after me a few things that I want to point out before we look at what I want to share today. The first week, I talked to you about the price of intimacy. I want to say the price of intimacy. If you notice, the Lord said, I do not know you. I do not know you. So we talked about the price of intimacy. I want you to understand that there is a price to pay to be intimate with God. I said there is a price to pay to be intimate with God. There is a price to pay. There is a price to pay to be intimate with any friend. There's a price to pay to stay in, in a solid relationship with anybody that you love. There's a price to pay. Come on now, say amen. There's a price. So we looked at the price of intimacy. And everyone here should pay the price of intimacy. Now we're not talking about the price of salvation. Because the price of salvation could not be paid by any man. The price for salvation could only be paid by Jesus. And he did a perfect job. Amen. By grace are you saved through faith. 
It is not your works. It is the gift of God. Everyone say it's the gift of God. You were saved by grace. The grace of God. God's undeserved favor saved us. Even the faith that we exercised at salvation was a gift. I said it was a gift. For faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So when we heard the word of God, God gave us faith through the gospel. So the grace was from God. The faith was from God. Can someone say amen? I said the grace was from God and the faith was from God. By grace are you saved through faith. It is not your works. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should what? Boast. So we have no place for boasting because all that was done at salvation was done by Christ himself. There was nothing we brought to the table. That's a good place to say amen. I said there was nothing we brought to the table. The faith that seemed to come from us did not really come from us. The faith that seemed to come from us came from him. The word of God that we heard brought the faith into our hearts to believe. So no man should boast. That is the reason why we have to be, we have to be careful the way we speak about unbelievers. When you see people sin, people, sometimes people come out of the world and they come into the church and they just begin to run their mouths. And they speak as if they saved themselves. Don't ever forget you were once there. I say you were once there. You were bound by sin. You were bound by the devil. You were on your way to a lost eternity. And Jesus Christ reached out to you and saved you. So the way you speak about unbelievers is so important. We've got to speak about them with mercy. Love and grace. Amen. Because it could be you. It could be you in prison. Are you listening to me? It could be you dying. It could be you bound by sin. It could be you in that bondage. But Jesus Christ came and saved you by grace. That is the reason why we also must approach them by grace. And if what Jesus Christ has done in your life means anything to you, guess what you want to do? You also want to take it to someone else that hasn't got it. Hallelujah. You see, what he gave to us, we must give to others. Because if you and I have not heard the gospel, you and I would not be sitting here today. Now, how will they hear the gospel if you, if you and I do not go to tell them? A lot of responsibility have been placed upon us when we give our lives to Christ. I thought somebody would say amen. amen. And what the church has been assigned to do, the church must rise up and do. So let us understand that God has done his part. It is time for the church to do what God has placed the church on the earth to do. Is God going to come and preach the gospel for us? No, we have to go out and preach the gospel. Are you listening to me? 
We have to go. So I'm trying to show you that we have responsibilities. And if we don't rise up to accomplish our responsibilities or fulfill our responsibilities, the world will not come in. And they are waiting for us. And it's time for us to go and tell them. Amen. Tell your neighbor, it's time to tell them. Oh, you're not strong on that one. I say you're not strong on that one. It's time to tell them. Say like you mean it. It's time, it's time to tell them. It's time to tell them. It's time to share. It's time to bring in the harvest. Praise the Lord. Amen. I said amen. So anyway, we looked at the price of intimacy and, and then uh, we also looked at the price of living orderly. That's what we looked at last week. The price of living orderly. If you notice, Jesus said, all you workers of iniquity. And last week, I, I, I dealt with this deeply. And, and I even talked about, you know, the hyper grace movement that do not want to mention sin. Don't talk about sin because, you know, if we talk about sin, people will not come to church. So just tell people nice things. Can I tell you that the pulpit is not a place for motivational speakers? The pulpit is a place of preaching the word of God. The unadulterated living word of God. And we preach it with grace. We're not here to beat anyone up. We're not here to condemn and to judge. But we've got to call it what it is. It is the truth that sets people free. Can someone say amen? amen. And I made reference to Paul as an apostle of grace. He was an apostle of grace. He preached grace. But the apostle of grace is the same guy who talked about, you know, you know. That those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That was an apostle of grace. Or you think to yourself, an apostle of grace will not touch that. No, he, he did. He talked about fornication. He talked about, all, he talked about all kinds of things in his letters. Is it not interesting? The apostle of grace was talking about fornication and adultery and all kinds of things. He, talked about, he talks about all these things. And yet... Today's hyper-grace teachers don't want to mention sin. And it's basically messages that tickle people's ears. Messages that tickle people's ears do not prepare them for eternity. Let me go to the back. Messages that tickle people's ears do not prepare them for eternity. Amen. Amen. And yes, I understand. I understand. Someone gets saved, come into the house of God for two months, three months, five months. Yeah, we give them the, 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 the uh, uh, what do you call it? the milk of the word. But at a certain point, God will begin to require that you grow up and begin to eat meat. Can't keep drinking milk all the time. Are you listening to me? If you just give your baby milk, 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 milk. That baby will never, will never develop. At some point, they, they need to start eating steak. Some solid food. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
And the Bible says solid food is for those that have what? But that what? By reason of the use, have done what? Exercise themselves. So you see, it's, it's an exercise. You, you go to the gymnasium, you, you exercise, right? You want six packs, you exercise. You don't, go to, you, don't, you don't keep eating, eating, eating and expect to wake up one morning with six packs. It doesn't happen. You've got to exercise before you get in shape. Is this true? You exercise to get in shape. If you don't exercise, you will not get in shape. This, see, even in the natural, this is a fact. So at some point, God will begin to require that you grow up. You can't keep <laughs> you can't keep doing that. You can't keep doing that six months in the faith. Are you listening to me? One year in the faith. So God will require that you grow up. That is the reason why there are things that we teach and preach in the church that is designed to help people grow up. Can someone say amen? amen. So God wants us to grow up. Notice what Jesus said to them. All you workers of iniquity. So that's not the life of a Christian. A Christian should not be involved in iniquity. A Christian taps into the grace of God. And by the grace of God, live right. Pastor God, but everyone does it. You are not everyone. You are different. Tell your neighbor I'm different. You are a child of God. Yes, you are a child of God. You are not everyone else. A majority does not always carry the vote. This is not politics. It's not election. It's not democracy. Can someone shout amen? amen. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Now today, I want to talk about the third thing, which is important. And next week, I'll talk about the fourth. Today, I want to talk about the price of laying aside every weight. The price of laying aside every weight. I'm talking about next level commitment. And I want you to know that God wants us to be fully and totally committed to him. I remember Jesus preaching a message that drove everybody away. The day he said to them, you have come here because of the food I gave you the other time. But today, the food you will eat is my flesh. And the drink you will drink is my blood. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus said that, everybody stopped following him. Everyone say everybody. Everyone stopped following Jesus. What a message. Just imagine it's like shooting yourself in the leg. You built this ministry and multitudes are coming from all over the place. And you preach a message to destroy your own ministry. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus knew the hearts of men. And he wanted men to understand that men shall not live by bread alone. But by every word 
that comes out of the mouth of God. He wanted them to understand that this goes beyond food. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit. I hope you got that. The, the Holy Spirit is holy. Come on now, say amen. amen. So the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It is not about the flesh. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? So he said to them, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't drink my blood, you and I have nothing in common. We have no business. No business. And guess what? Everyone left. Only the 12 remained. And you will think to yourself that, well, Jesus should negotiate with these people. Lord, they are leaving the ministry. Lord, everyone's leaving the church. Are you not going to talk to them? Are you not going to plead? Are you not going to turn it down? Lord, why are you preaching this kind of message? Um, no, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm going to even increase the heat. So he, watch this. He turns to his own apostles, the 12. He looked at them and he asked them, what about you? Are you not living too? Lord, what's going on? Are you also kicking them out? Are you not leaving? And guess what? Peter said, where should we go? You are the one that has the word of eternal life. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. So it was this particular group that understood that this was more than food and drink. That God is calling us to a much higher level of commitment. That we don't just come here for what we get. We come here because of what he has done. And we owe him our lives. This is not a game. This is not a religious gathering. We are not here this Sunday morning to fulfill our religious duty. We're not here this Sunday morning to clock in our cards. And when I'm done preaching, you clock out. We're here this morning because He owns us. I said we're here this morning because He owns us. I'm telling you, and we owe Him our lives. Can someone shout hallelujah? Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. In other words, without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I'm a nobody. And I want us to understand that God is calling each of us here to a much higher level of what? Commitment. Commitment. What's a commitment? Commitment. It's important. There are things that we must lay aside if our relationships with God would flourish. Important. Things that we must lay, if we don't lay things aside, the relationship will not flourish. So today, we're looking at the price of laying aside every weight. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight. Everyone say every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares or besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want you to notice. Let us lay aside how many weights? Talk to me. How many weights? How many weights? Lay aside every weight. An extra weight will slow you down. I was watching a documentary. This was, I guess this was sometime last year. Documentary on fast cars. And, and they said, if you want the car to run faster, you have to make it lighter. If you want the car to run faster, you have to make the car lighter. The car must be lighter if you want the car to, the car to run faster. So what's going on is this. A lot of people have so much that they have Allow the enemy to put on them. And all the stuff that people carry slows them down. This is not a time to be slowed down. This is a time to run faster. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. Just think about someone that goes to the Olympic Games. And the guy is going to represent his country in a 100 meter dash. Guess what? He does all the things that he has to do to get himself ready for that big day. Is that correct? But if you look at the things that he puts on, the things that he wears are very light. Why does he put on something light? Why? Because he does not want to be slowed down. You can't put on all this weight and expect to win a 100 meter dash. Because some run it in 8 seconds. Some run it in 9 seconds. So he wants to make sure that he runs fast and he represents his country well. And I want you to understand that we are running a race and we represent the kingdom of God. And we want to represent the kingdom of God well. That is the reason why each of us must endeavor to put away all the kilos that we have carried upon us. Because the kilos that you have on you will weigh you down. They weigh you down. They weigh you down. The Bible talks about the rich young ruler. Remember the story in the book of Matthew chapter 19. You don't have to turn there, but Jesus said it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus was not saying that rich people will find it difficult to go to heaven. Jesus was actually talking to us. If you read that in context, he was talking about those who trust in riches. Because the young man had come to him and said, Good master, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Go and sell. Everyone say, Go and sell. Go and sell all that you have. Give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible tells us that the man had so much wealth. And because he had so much wealth, he could not follow Jesus. Can you see what I'm trying to say? So because of the wealth the man had, he couldn't follow Jesus. See, what you see right here is a matter of preference or value system. The man preferred his wealth to Christ. And that's a problem. The man preferred stuff to Christ. 
Jesus knew that this would be the man's problem. If, even if Jesus had accepted the man to come along with him, that would have been a problem in the way. So Jesus knew what the problem would be. So Jesus said to him, go sell. Everyone say, go sell. Go and sell everything you have. Give away the money. The money is your hindrance. The money is your God. The money is going to stand in your way. Give it away. Now, Jesus, listen to this. I want to just make this very clear again because a lot of times when people preach with a place like this, there's an attack on rich people. Rich people are not going to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not say rich people will find it difficult to enter heaven. That's not what the Bible says. There are rich people that love God wholeheartedly. Are you listening to me? In actual fact, some of them are very wealthy because God gave them the wealth. They love God so much, God brought them from nothing and made them somebody. And the things that God has blessed them with have not taken the place of God in their lives. There are godly men, godly women, wealthy, blessed, that are still committed 100% to God. Speak with tongues, prophesy, used by God in reaching the lost and bringing in the harvest of souls. There are people that are wealthy that are still sold out 100% to God. So God is not saying don't be rich because if you are rich, you will not make it to heaven. That's not what God is saying. God wants you rich. God wants you blessed. But God does not want things taking his place in your life. Can someone shout amen? amen. So the rich young man walked away because he had so much riches. Or let's say it this way. Riches had him. You understand that? God is not against you having things. God is against things having you. And this is one of the things that the, the message on giving and the message on prosperity will do in your heart. It will set you free from greed. It will set you free from lust. Can someone shout amen? amen. Tell your neighbor, God wants me blessed. God wants me rich. That's true. Amen. And when you also read the parable of the sower... Jesus talked about the seeds that fell among thorns, which represents those that are filled with the cares and the concerns of this life. What are we talking about today? We're talking about laying aside what? The weights. It's a price to pay to run fast. There is a price to pay to maintain your relationship with God. Working out your salvation. With fear and trembling. So in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about people that have all these things in their lives. The deceitfulness of riches. See, that, listen to that again. The deceitfulness of riches. He's not saying people shouldn't be rich. But he's saying they shouldn't fall into the deceitfulness of riches. That takes the place of God in people's lives. All the cares of life. Be anxious for nothing. People's lives are so cluttered. Unfortunately, even in the church, people's lives are cluttered with a lot of things. Keep your life simple, my friends. Keep your lives, simplify things. In these last days, you've got to learn how to simplify things. Your life needs to be simple. 
Get all the clutter out. Get all those things that have come to do what? That have come to mess you up in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. Let the fire of God come right into you and burn them out. Can someone say amen? amen. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 from verse number 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor, watch this, nor to trust in uncertain riches. You see what the problem is? The problem is when you begin to trust in stuff, you stop trusting in God. That they should not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly. All things to enjoy. So God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Can someone say amen? amen? So God gives us richly. God does not give us poorly. God gives us richly. God does not, God does not subtract. God adds and God multiplies. Amen. Can someone say amen? amen? Who gives us richly all things to enjoy? Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Amen. Let me talk to you quickly on some weights that we need to get out of our lives. Weight number one, the cares of this life. The cares of this life. With all, with all that's happening globally, one of the major things that people have come under attack on is with regards to finance. That's a fact. Many lost their jobs in the last two years. And people have become so burdened down by concerns and worry. That is the reason why we come to God and we say, Lord, you are my helper. Amen. You are my strength. You are my shield. Hallelujah. The world may be going down, but the child of God will never go down. Amen. The Bible says that you are like Mount Zion that abideth forever. You cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys sang a song this morning, right? Though the, uh, what's that? Yes. At rise and thunders roll, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood, and I will be still. Know you are God. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. Know his power in quietness and trust. When the oceans rise and thunders roll, I will sow with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood, and I will be still. Know you are God. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Amen. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Amen. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. Amen. Neither shall the flames kindle upon you. Amen. Though I walk through the valley 
of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Many are filled with worry and concerns and the cares of this life. There's nothing wrong in becoming successful, but don't pursue success at the detriment of your spiritual life. Because when it's all said and done, I don't care how much you heap up, it will mean nothing if Jesus Christ is not the center of it. It means nothing. All the cares of life and people worry and people have anxiety. When the Bible says don't have anxiety about anything. Anything means anything. Don't have anxiety whatsoever. Your God is still on the throne. Come on, I say amen. No matter what the enemy is busy doing right now, God is still on the throne. It's all going to work out for your own good. All things will work out for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. God will see to it that everything will work out for your good. You are not going down. Oh my goodness, I say you are not going down. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get the cares out. These things are going to weigh you down. These things are going to slow you down. Just an extra, Pastor God, it's just an extra kilo. An extra kilo will slow down your pace. Pastor God, it's just an extra, an extra kilo will slow down the speed. The speed should not be slowed down. You've got to get that extra kilo off. And you've got to run with patience the race that is set before you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Get them out. Worry, 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 worry. When is the next uh, uh, rent money going to come? Worry. Get all of that out of your life. Oh, I'm 50. Oh, when when is this going to happen? Oh, I'm 30. When am I going to get married? Get all that worry out of your life. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and He shall direct thy path. Do not let what you feel determine how you live your life to God. Get all that worry out. Because they slow you down. The cares of this life. Number two. Number two. This is a weight. Listen to this. Past sin. Past sin. Some people just walk around with guilt. They walk around. I mean, when you look at them, you can see that they're walking around with such condemnation of the th- because of the thing they did in the past. And it was on Wednesday when I was explaining Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. No condemnation. There is no condemnation. No condemnation. People go to God. God, remember what I did last year. God, I can just imagine God say, I don't. Remember what you did last year? Because I've watched whatever was done with the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed you clean. And the sin is not on your account. 
Stop letting the devil lie to you. And the lie of the devil has put so much burden on people, an extra cagey, an extra, you know, and then they're walking around with this weight. And because they have refused to, to get rid of that, they can't really come to God boldly even when they pray. Are you listening to me? And because you don't come boldly to the presence of God when you pray, your faith is deactivated. Your faith cannot work. Coming to his presence boldly that you might obtain what? <laughs> You've got to come boldly to obtain help. Come on now, say amen. amen. But if you don't come boldly, you are not getting help because your faith is not going to work. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we shall ask anything according to his will, that was the confidence. That's important because we've got to come into his presence confidently, not because of what we've done or not done, but because of what Jesus Christ has made available to us. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Past sins, get all the stuff out. If you sinned and you asked God to forgive you, God forgave you. Amen. That amen is weak. Amen. Oh, Pastor God, well, but you know, some sins, some sins are big, while some are small. Uh, the one I did was very big. In actual fact, Pastor Godwell is so big, I think I have to cut myself until I bleed. I'll never believe God forgave me. I'm here to tell you that Jesus already bled Amen. for your sin. Amen. There is no sin too big for the blood of Jesus to deal with. Amen. I say there is no sin too big for the blood of Jesus to deal with. Amen. I don't know what you did, but I'm honestly telling you that your sin is not bigger than the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ is potent enough to take care of that sin. Amen. And if you went to God and you said, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. God forgave you. Amen. Stop walking around with guilt and condemnation. Because you see, the moment you get free from that, it's like you begin to live under open heaven. Your prayers will be answered just like that. Amen. And watch this. God was not holding back the answers to your prayers. You just couldn't receive because you're filled with condemnation. Because your faith wasn't working. Your faith's going to start working from today. Amen. Number three, wait. Besetting sin. Besetting sin. Well, here, the, the best example that I can give to you is in 2 Kings chapter 5. You don't need to turn there. But in 2 Kings chapter 5, the Bible talks about a man that was very successful in his military position. His name was Naaman. He was the captain of the army of Syria. And the Bible says through him, God had given so much victory to the king of Syria. The captain was a very successful military guy. But watch this, with all the stuff the Bible has to say about him, how victorious he was, how he's done this, and he was a very important man before the king, it gets to the place where he says, but, I won't say but, but he was a leper. But he was a leper. But he was a leper. So all the stuff that you've done, there is a but. And the but cancels out all the, all the stuff you've done right. There are people, there are people, they, they are great. They are great people, nice people, born again, speaking tongues. They are great people, but they have this sin. I won't say but. <laughs> but they have this sin. They have this thing that, that besets them. In actual fact, if you read it in another translation, it says that this sin that easily ensnares you. 
See, the word snare is a trap. So there is this thing that easily, notice it easily, traps you. So people find themselves, they're living in this vicious cycle of just the same thing every three weeks. The same thing every three months. And they are not free. Guess what? The power of God is going to set you free. Amen. The power of God is going to set you free. But the power of God sets people free. But again, there is something that needs to be done in a case like this. A lot of times people don't realize that they have to do something about it. What do you have to do about it? You've got to find scriptures that will set you free from this stuff. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will pierce through. It will cut out of your life the things that shouldn't be there. I believe with all of my heart that every born-again child of God should live free from sin. There shouldn't be this one thing. Oh, Pastor God, well, I'm a great person, but there's just this one thing. I find it difficult. I can't stop. It's just this one thing. You know, it's just one. <laughs> just one. But this one thing, is, it's, it's a heavy, heavy load. This one thing. You know how it feels when you've done this one thing and you go to God and you can't pray? I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. You know how it feels when you've done this one thing and, and when everyone is pressing into God and praying, you are there confessing it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, how it feel, you know how it feels when you go to God and you just cannot, you cannot receive because the enemy is beating you up with that one thing. So don't say to me, oh, Pastor, it's just one thing. Is it not just one? I do 99, right? It's just this one thing. See, this one thing is what the devil will take advantage of. And God wants you free from that. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? The scene. Notice the way it is uh, rendered here in the text in Hebrews. It says, the sin, the sin which so easily besets you or ensnares you there is the sin it is not sins it is the sin and everyone knows it i mean for each person you know what i mean you know what the thing is so you you have to go to god and say lord it's time to have the victory because this sin that just keeps entrapping me this sin that just keeps making me fall. This sin that keeps robbing me of boldness and courage and faith before God. This sin. When you meet a person who is demon possessed, you want to cast it over, you think, oh, but I've got something that, you know what I mean? This sin. The sin which so easily besets you. Number four. This is a weight. Past abuse. God wants to set you free from past hurts and abuse. I was listening to, how many of you know this? Uh, former heavyweight boxing champion, Mike Tyson. But you can't talk about boxing without talking about Mike Tyson, right? Yes. Man, Mike Tyson said, listen to what he said. He said, before every fight, I cry. So the guy who was interviewing him, why do you cry? So I do not know. But before every fight, I cry because I don't like the man in the ring. 
He cries before the fight. He said, but I don't, I don't like the man. That man in the ring, I don't like him. Things have been done to mess people up. But you see, when you come to Christ, you come into a place where you can be totally free from all of that. Amen. You don't have to live like the world. Whatever was done to you, God can set you free from it. I know, I know your spirit is born again. Your spirit is saved and delivered. But people still deal with things in the realm of the soul. I believe that's what he was dealing with. Before every fight, I cry. What? Man, you're going into the ring. You're knocking people out in one round. In one fight, he knocked the guy out in some seconds. I don't like the guy in the ring. What is it that has been done to you that just stays with you? What is it that has been done to you that the, the devil keeps opening up that thing? You are born again. Yes. Full of the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. But that thing, that particular area that just messes you up, that's a, that's a weight. And God wants that thing out of your life. The last but not the least, offense. The Lord showed me, this is what the Lord showed me about offense. Listen carefully. The Lord showed me that this is the worst sin to overcome. Uh, you know, I, I just told you that people tend to categorize sin. Yes, sin is basically missing the mark. But I can tell you that there are some things that will open the door quicker than others. Whether you believe that or not, it's a fact. Some things will open the door quicker to the enemy and to the invasion of demonic spirits than others. One of the things the Lord said to me about offense is it is the most difficult to deal with. And Jesus said it is impossible for offense not to come. Impossible. It will come. I grew up under a pastor who taught us the word when I was back in Nigeria. And he, he posed the question many years ago. This was over 25, 26, 27, 28 years ago. He posed the question before us. He said to us, he said, what if believers decide to move into a place and build a Christian country? No unbeliever would live in this country. Everyone in this country will be born again Christian." Will there be offense? We can all decide to go live on a mountain. God forbid, we're not going to do that. <laughs> all tongue talking, Holy Spirit filled, born, born again, blood washed people, all live in one community. There's still going to be offense. The closer you get to people, the easier it becomes to be offended. John Bevere said, offense is the bait of Satan. Don't take it. It is the worst thing to do. It's almost, I tell you, I'm not going to say impossible. It's almost impossible to overcome. 
You hear me preach about offense a lot. I talk about it a lot. I was invited to preach in a church in London. The pastor said to me, I want you to talk on forgiveness. The Holy Ghost said to me, don't talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the branch. Offense is the root. Because you can't talk about forgiveness if offense has not happened. And I went up there for the next 45 minutes. I began to basically read the mail of the church. The pastor came up and said, I've not told this man anything. Because that was the first day I met him. The first day I preached for him was the first day I met him. And we did not get the chance to sit and talk about what was happening in their church. But by the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, I exposed what was going on in the church. There are several areas of offense. Offense against leadership. Offense against your spouse. Offense against your friend. There are several areas of offense. And it's almost impossible to deal with it. So when John Bevere said, offense is the bait of Satan, what does that mean? Think about it. You want to catch a fish. You put a bait on the hook. So the fish does not see the hook. The fish sees the bait. Correct? And the fish does not know that if I bite into this bait, I'm hooked for life. But that is what the guy who wants to catch the fish, wants to do. He does not want the fish to know because if you just throw in the line and there's a hook, the fish is not going to come. The fish comes to the bait and when the fish bites in, the fish is hooked. Offense is the bait that Satan uses. And that, this bait has got many out of the church, more than any other sin you can think of. You can help people recover from sexual sin. You can help people recover from any kind of moral failure. It's almost impossible to help people recover from the sin of offense. Because the devil knows how to wind that place. He knows how to. He knows what. He knows how to do something. And, and then the person that offended you, that you're still trying to forgive, is still doing more. Absolutely. You're still dealing with the stuff that happened last month and they're still doing more. What do you do? So this is how we need to prepare ourselves. It is not possible for offense not to happen. Get that sorted out once and for all. It's not possible. If we all live in the same house, all of us, born again, you love me now, yeah, wait until you get close to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Wait until you get very close. Wait until I get very close to you. Then we begin to feel some... Because the closer you get to people, the easier it becomes to be irritated by them. That is, the, that is why the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. So the way out of this is love. I, care, I tell you there are two things you can do to get out of offense. Love like Jesus and the fear of God. There's no other way. Because it will keep happening. If it is not coming from this, it's coming from that. Are you listening to what I'm telling you today? So learn, say this, don't take an offense. 
Don't take it. Don't take an offense. Another thing I want to say to you is this. Don't pick up someone else's offense. Do not. Some people, just like what the Bible says, they have, they have poison in their mouth. And when they come and they start speaking, they poison you. Don't let anyone poison you. Because you can take someone's offense. You don't know the full story until you've heard from both sides. Don't take someone else's offense. One of the best examples of taking someone else's offense is what happened in the ministry of Moses. When Korah stood up against Moses and Korah was buried. Basically, he was buried alive. If you know the story, he was buried alive. The earth opened up and Korah was, and his men were buried alive. The next, they want to say the next day. Not one week later. Not one month later. The next day, other men rose up against Moses. And they said, you have killed God's ministers. As if Moses had some kind of engineering machinery that opened the ground and swallowed Korah and his men. No, it was not done by Moses. It was done by the Lord. But because they picked up on Korah's offense, they continued with it. They continued with it. Don't pick up on someone else's offense. Get out of your life people that come to drop ideas and drop things in you to poison you. Get them out of your life. This is the most difficult thing. I, I know it's the most difficult thing. I've seen it. I've been a pastor here for, very many, for, many, for many years. I've seen it. I've seen it. it it's, it's almost impossible. Almost impossible. But the Lord will help all of us. Amen. I said the Lord will help all of us. Amen. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now? It's a price to pay. It's a price to pay. To lay down and to lay aside every weight. That we don't run without purpose. We run with purpose. And maybe you're here this morning and there are things that are being done to you that have wounded you. You heard me say many times, it is not what some people have done, it is what has been done to them. And the enemy will take advantage of that and the enemy will, will try to mess, mess you up. But today, Lord, we come. We present your people, we present your church. We ask, oh God, in Jesus' name, that this word will bear much fruit. Lord, even as you begin to put your finger on the things. Lord, this will be a week of freedom and deliverance. And the abuse. You will yank the thing out from the roots. You will empower your people to live for you. 
The Bible says that you're coming back for a church without spot and blemish. Wherever we've been blemished and however we've been blemished, Lord, by the blood and by the fire, purge us. Purge us. Go ahead and talk to God on your own. Purge me. Purge me. Burn it out. 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 Lord, I laid at the altar. Burn it out. I laid at the altar. Burn it out. Burn it out. Burn it out. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, thank you for your people. This cannot be done by might. It cannot be done by willpower. But it can be done by the Spirit of God. I pray over everyone that's here right now that by the Spirit of God, you set them free. Where people need healing, Lord, bring healing, bring restoration, bring deliverance, bring freedom. Holy Ghost, continue to breathe upon this word that's been spoken today. And use it, Lord, for your glory. We ask for a church without spot or blemish. We ask for a people without spot or blemish that will run their race and will finish well. Paul said, I've, I've run my race. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. May we run. May we run well. May we not be ensnared. May we not be stopped. May we not be hindered. May we run and may we finish strong. When it's all said and done, Lord, when the rapture, when the rapture takes place, that not one of us will be caught napping. That everyone is awake and everyone is running well. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen.